I'm Brenna, a certified sex expert and sex coach who is passionate about human sexuality, female empowerment, and helping people develop the sex life of their dreams. I'm Brian, certified relationship coach, eager to share my unique relationship experiences along with a rich history of sexuality to coach you through your personal journey. And you're listening to Sex on Your Terms. So if you guys listened to our last episode of Sex on Your Terms, you know that Brian asked me a question. I had no idea what the question would be, the topic for our discussion. And today I want to turn the tables. I have a topic that I really want to discuss with Brian. He has no idea what it is. And I think it's going to be a really enlightening conversation, or at least I hope it will, because we have not planned it out. But first, we wanted to bring you a sex in the news. And this one is fascinating to me. The concept of incels is something that's talked a lot about in pop culture right now. It's this very kind of trending thing. It's also something that's coming up a lot in the news because of involuntarily celibate men committing horrible crimes against women because they're angry with women. So I think it's just one of those things that's kind of at the top of a lot of people's minds right now, especially if they are themselves incels. And this article is fascinating. It's from the University of Iowa. And it's talking about young men's sexual habits and new research has found that nearly one in three young men between the ages of 18 and 24 report having zero sex. I wonder, I have to imagine, is that, I mean, is it by choice, I guess is my question, or are they earnestly trying to find a mate and it's simply not working out? I guess here's my thing. You can answer this better than I. Obviously, you're 31. I'm 51. I am not a millennial, so I don't. I don't understand a lot of it. However, I'm trying, but I don't. I don't get it all. Is it a lack of communication, face to face? Has 2020 just kind of really screwed that up for everybody? And uh, are the millennials really? hanging, clinging on to the idea that the the digital space is the way to go. It makes more sense for them. So I don't need the one-on-one personal connection with people to build relationships. I mean, is that a thing? I think that's part of it, but these are not millennials. These are Gen Zers. And I think that's an even bigger issue. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. You know, people that are my age didn't grow. I didn't grow up with a smartphone. I wasn't, I didn't get my first cell phone until I was 17 years old. I think people that are now 18 to 24 are the people that have grown up with the technology. And yes, absolutely. They don't know how to communicate with people in a face-to-face setting. And I think that's part of the issue. But to the question that you asked before you made that statement or asked that question, are these people who are involuntarily celibate or are they choosing not to have sex? The study goes on to say that 60% of these men that are not currently having sex would like to have sex, but are not. So they are incels. They want to interact with people, but for whatever reason, they can't connect the dots. And I think that there are a plethora of different reasons for that. We can spend an entire episode talking about that, in my opinion, because I see it a lot. (laughs) We see it all the time, right? I mean, I don't want to judge people for their behaviors because I don't understand their situations. But the truth of the matter is, see folks, at least when I see folks in public, for example, right? We are traveling, obviously. We're in the state of Florida, have been for a period of time, and we're in a lot of different places. And it never ceases to amaze me when we go to some of these places and there are presumably younger, early 20s, maybe mid 20s, single guys either in a group or uh, small groups, maybe, their behavior to me is abhorrent. And I don't mean it's like overtly over-the-top flirtatious or egregious. I just mean that their mannerisms, their behavior, their lack of manners, their lack of situational awareness, their lack of understanding that there are other people around them and that their behavior is affecting their time, being spent you know with their loved ones and friends they're just kind of in their own bubble with very little concern for what's happening around them and it lends itself to me to think there's a reason i mean the art of the conversation is lost first of all right among younger people i think face-to-face conversation yeah i was gonna say not with digital communication no 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 no. the art of the conversation digitally that's not a conversation it is a conversation it's See, not. that's the problem it's not a conversation i think part of part you of and the- i here this is a conversation <laughs> i'm looking you in the eye i can see you i can see your facial expressions your body language that's a conversation right to be fair though as a 31 year old i'm going to say that people your age don't know how to digitally communicate and yeah, it drives see, that's me freaking insane <laughs> see there's the disconnect because you're 31 so now take it a step further 
further. Now someone's 21, right? They have even less of an ability to have a genuine conversation, to genuinely connect with someone face-to-face. How many times have we had this very conversation when dealing with younger guys? I say it all the time. When we meet a younger gentleman, maybe potentially for you to engage with you know, as a playmate, they can't look me in the eye. They they shake my hand with that dead fish kind of thing. There's no confidence because they're so unaccustomed to being face-to-face with people for a connection that they're literally out of their comfort zone. So then you see these people kind of behaving in public. And it's it, the behavior, I guess, I, the best way, the, the, the nicest way for me to put it would be childlike in many ways. Well, I think that's the real problem. That is the problem right there. Because I was just reading an article the other day that talked about how many Gen Zers are not going to college. College admissions are down right now. Okay. And they are choosing to live at home with their parents. Yeah. Okay, if you are a 20, 21, 22-year-old person, you're not going to school, so you're not getting that interaction. Or even right. if you are going to school, maybe it's all online now. Sure it is. And you are choosing to still live with your parents. How much more difficult is it for you to get laid? Well, yeah, but again, t- and take it a step further, right? You're not doing the things that you would think an intelligent young person would do in order to improve their odds. They're not learning new skills. They're not learning interpersonal skills. I don't have to because I have my phone. I have my computer. I can Zoom I, or, or not. I can just text. I don't even have to look at anybody. You've got to, imp- it's like anything else. You got to get the reps in. You got to improve those skills. You got to, you have to Im- improve your skills, your behavioral skills in public settings. It's the most egregious thing I see when you and I are out together. This just happened yesterday. Literally yesterday, we are at this really nice place on a rooftop in a downtown area in Florida where we're staying. Really nice bar area. One of the nicer places we've been. There's three people, two gentlemen and a young lady, who are clearly of that age, in the in that early 20s. They are loud and obnoxious and just annoying everyone else around them. In fact, they moved from one side of the bar, the far side, to our side. Naturally, they sat next to me, right? <laughs> I'm a magnet for that. Right. So it's like, I'm, and I'm listening, attempting not to listen to their conversation, which is virtually impossible because we're about 10 feet away and they are loud and they're reverberating off of everything in the, in the area. And I'm thinking to myself, you just became the three most annoying people in this entire space and you're oblivious to it. That, that's the kind of thing that turns people off. Yeah, I think, yeah, that the social part of it is definitely something I think societally, we also I was actually speaking to a younger person about this recently, the idea of, you know, sex is not as important to this generation for whatever reason. I think part of it is because we are still so far behind on things. We've talked several times on this podcast now about the lack of sex education in this country, the lack of focus on pleasure based education, things like how to please a woman, how to act ask for consent so it's a good mutually beneficial experience those types of things still aren't happening in fact i think it's getting worse and it's sure. getting compounded so as a 20 year old or an 18 year old who has no idea what they're doing and nobody's speaking to them about how to truly engage sexually with other people i'm sure they're freaking terrified well i literally as we were researching some sex in the news uh, concepts i just came across one that shows that the gen zers main source of sex education is porn yeah you're you're screwed. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and not only that, but think of once again about typically these people that are incels, right? They are maybe not the most attractive people. They're not the most confident people. They don't tend to be the social butterflies flitting around the room. These are the people that tend to be a little bit quieter. Maybe they don't feel the greatest about their bodies, whatever. They're watching porn. And if they're watching high-end porn of any sort, they're seeing these porn stars and they are somehow you know thinking to themselves i'm never going to get that type of woman so why would i even bother like it's this they're creating this fantasy of what sex is rather than focusing on the reality of finding someone that they can genuinely connect with and that makes sense for them well i listen i say it all the time right comparison is the thief of joy if you are comparing yourself to anyone else you have already failed So just, you got to be the best version of yourself, whatever you think that is. But compare, yeah, the the, the porn is like the worst thing in the world for people to compare themselves to, right? We just saw some the other day. It was ridiculous. It was horrible. It was ridiculous. (laughs) It was on a TV behind us. We We had some friends. We were kind of at a resort with some friends. And on the TV behind us is this ridiculous porn. It's like... 
this really uber attractive woman with a bunch of uber attractive men. This thing's going on for 40 minutes nonstop. <laughs> it was... It was ridiculous. It okay? was. It was like so, a circus act. Yeah, it was as it was as unrealistic a thing that, as I've ever seen. So yeah, don't don't use porn as a gauge. It's not a metric you want to use. Yes, you know. But yeah, I think the art of the conversation for me, the art of the conversation is the reason that these incels are really having a difficult time. That's the biggest thing. You don't know how to talk to people. Yeah, I think it's that coupled with sexual shame and for sure and a lack of understanding of how to make a sexual situation mutually beneficial. And, yeah, it's a simple. Well, it's a lack of education, right? It goes back to that a lack of sexual IQ. How do you how do you build your sexual IQ? It's like anything else, right? You've got to you got to do the work. And I don't think anyone's doing the work. Not enough people are doing the work. Yeah, agreed. So as mentioned, I get to turn the tables on you from last week. And I am going to ask you a question that I've been thinking about a lot lately, actually. I am ready. You have a very mischievous look on your face. I don't don't mean to. It's not a mischievous question. I don't mean to have it. (laughs) I'm just, I'm excited because this is something I've wanted to talk to you about, but I haven't really found the right vehicle for it. So why not on a podcast? I can't imagine a better vehicle, really. We have a couple of vehicles you could have asked this uh, question to me. Yeah, Yeah. well, I'm going to ask today. Okay. So obviously a lot has changed in our lives. Our entire (laughs) lives have changed. Yeah, still changing. Previous to us getting on the road, though, your life has taken a lot of changes as well, turns as well. I think even we've talked multiple times about how just even this relationship in general has really changed you and changed your outlook on sex and connection and the desire for chemistry, all of those things. You also, our listeners know, came out as bisexual, pansexual late last year. And so we've, you know, we've been talking a lot about that and about kind of where the future lies for you and that and the things that you want to explore. And I think the reason this question came up for me is because I was speaking to another podcaster recently who was talking about the fact that we are both bisexual people and we've come out as such. And he said, you know, it's interesting that Brian has done that. And of course, my mind immediately went to, oh, Brian doesn't fit the stereotypical view of a bisexual man, right? Right. But he goes, well, no, it's more than that, though. It's the courage at 50 or 51 years old to do that because 50-year-old men don't come out as bisexual, pansexual, those types of, it's just not normal, quote unquote, right? It doesn't happen every day. Typically, you either know your entire life that you are and you come out much earlier or you hold it in forever. You never tell anybody. You just let it kind of, you know, push, you push it all down and you act like it's not there. So for people your age of your generation to do that is a big deal. So it got me kind of thinking about a lot of things. It got me also thinking about the fact that we're now playing with couples again. And just in general, a lot of our sexuality, both individually and as a couple, is changing and in a state of fluctuation right now. And I wanted to ask you if there are any fears or trepidations attached to that for you, if there are any concerns that you have, and if there are, like, do you know where those come from? So... To be clear, you're asking me if I personally feel like because I've come out as other than heterosexual at 50, at 50, uh, now I'm 51, do I feel like I'm under any kind of scrutiny or more scrutiny or I'm going to be judged har- more harshly by other people or... I mean, that could potentially be a fear, but I guess I'm asking for you personally, what are your personal fears about just going forward in general or trepidations going forward in general? And I guess the reason I ask is because you've you've obviously come out and I support and embrace you. And I can't even imagine how hard that was, period. We have a a very supportive relationship where I hope you know you can tell me anything, but even just expressing that to me must have been kind of trepidatious for you. Like now going forward, and not even necessarily just about the bisexuality, but in general, what concerns do you have as we move forward and continue to explore sexuality? My concerns really more than it. I don't. Okay, so let me just start with this. I don't have any real concerns that that are glaring to me personally about what about how I'm going to be affected necessarily. I am concerned, however, about how it will affect you more so than me. Interesting. So, and I say that because, and I'll give you an example. This actually just happened yesterday. So, obviously, traveling, we are 
as we've talked about before, broadening our horizons a little bit, stepping out there more, engaging more with people than we ever have before because we were spoiled when we were at home with our, our circle of friends. And we are engaging more with couples. Here's what I'm finding. Now, I could be seeing this for a couple of different reasons or it could be standing out to me for a couple of different reasons. What I'm seeing a lot now as I go through our profiles and the people that are, you know, our matches and that kind of thing, when it comes to couples particularly, I'm speaking of couples now, their profiles say she's bisexual, he is straight, no MM contact. In other words, no male-on-male contact. Mm -hmm. I am seeing this a lot now. Now, that could be a geographical thing. It could be because I'm hyper-focused on it now and wasn't before. Because prior to my coming out, even when I knew that bisexuality or my sexuality was going to play a role in our relationship, in our ethically non-monogamous world, we still had me as straight on a lot of our profiles. Yep. And we talked about this, actually. I talked about it on another show, why I did that. Primarily because I didn't want you to miss out on opportunities with a couple because of my sexuality. Basically, if, my, if I say I'm bisexual, there are couples who don't want to play with a couple where the male is bisexual. Right. Right. So I didn't want to get you to a situation of, or I didn't want to find us in a situation where you were going to miss out on something because of that. And basically, I said, to hell with that. We're not doing that anymore. And on all of our profiles, I, of course, am bisexual. So that's where I thought my concern really was you are going to be affected, right? And and I'm still, it's still a concern for me. Uh, it really is. But I'm seeing this a lot more now. And because of that, that's the thing that sticks most in my mind. For me personally, I have no fear. I'm 51 years old. I answer to no one other than you. <laughs> so I don't care what society thinks. I have, my family is fully aware of who I am, the family I have that I communicate with, obviously. My friends certainly know. So I don't care. I, ha I have no concerns for me at all. Are people going to judge me? For sure they are. They absolutely are. Do they judge me now? Kind of in, in private judge me? Yeah, absolutely, because that's what people do. They judge people. You know, I, it has no effect on me personally. I'm, I'm not moved by it one way or the other. I guess, do you have concerns about interacting with people in general? We talked several times about like your flirtatious game, <laughs> for example. Yeah. Is it different with men versus women? Is it is it something that you've considered or you've thought through as far as even digital communication? No. In fact, I am less concerned about communicating with people now than I was before because not having come out, I was always concerned that someone would say something. Listen, it just happened, right? It, it literally just happened. We were in a place where there were people, a lot of people, and there were two gentlemen having a conversation. I was not part of this conversation. I was standing at a bar. They were on the other side of the bar speaking loud enough that I could hear them and everyone could hear them. It was a you know open space. And what they were talking about was one of those gentlemen and his partner got to having a conversation potentially about potential play with another couple. Then he found out that the gentleman of that couple was bisexual. And that instantly turned him and his partner off because they don't want to play with a couple where the male is bisexual. The other guy, of course, chimes in, in agreement, they don't do that either. The, now, keeping in mind, you talk about situational awareness and a lack thereof, these guys are in a space with 20 or 25 other people standing directly near them, giving zero consideration. And these are my age, these guys are my age, by the way. Yeah. Giving zero care at all for who's listening or who might be listening. Had I not been in the environment that I was in and around the people that we were around, I would absolutely have caused a scene for them. I would have embarrassed them both. Yeah. Because what they were intimating was that the guy was less masculine because he was bisexual. And instantly the guy said, these were his words, not, I didn't make this up. He said, well, I kind of had a feeling by the way he looked that he might not be straight. That's what he said. <laughs> now, I don't even know what that means. That and, is and, the most horrible thing I've ever heard. Yeah, that is so ignorant. So when it comes so like when you ask me about fear, that's the thing I'm afraid of for me. Because someone's gonna do that to me and 
it's going to be terrible for them because mm-hmm. I'm going to embarrass them on a whole nother level, especially if they don't know that I am bisexual or pansexual. And they Not start, that that should matter. but It shouldn't matter at all. But if that's what you're going to start the conversation off with me, oh, it's going to be a rough day at the office for you. You better, <laughs> you better bring a lunch pail because I'm going to embarrass you in front of everyone. And I, because I just don't, I won't accept that. I wouldn't allow, I wouldn't, I wouldn't allow anyone to be judge that harshly particularly if i if there was someone standing there who who said something i would absolutely have jumped on board 100 percent. but i didn't want to be the guy that causes a scene particularly in the situation that we were in and that's the kind of thing i'm fearful of for myself well what's so interesting about that is you hear other people speaking that way but we were in a, a lifestyle environment for days on end, and there were multiple times, I'm not even sure if you realize this or not, but multiple times that you somehow in conversation brought up being pansexual. Right. It was not, you know, overt like, hey, I'm, I'm pansexual, <laughs> yeah. but more so just bringing it up in conversation in reference to other things. And when you say it to people who don't know that you're pansexual, nobody seems to bat an eye when it's to your face. No. Nobody made a surprise face. No. Nobody said, oh, I never would have guessed. None of those things were ever said. No. So I don't know if that means that the people that we choose to interact with and talk to are somehow more progressive or thoughtful, or if it's because to your face, they're, they would never say anything. Thing. They would never have a reaction because they understand how rude and horrible that is. And if it's the latter, then why on earth do they think it's okay to do it when they don't think that they're in the presence of bisexual or pansexual men? Well, it's an ignorance. And in, in the case of these two particular gentlemen I'm referring to, that's a level of ignorance that I have no conversation for. Right. But what I'm saying is, do you think if those two men, if you had been speaking with them and you had announced that you were bisexual, that they would have been like, oh, we don't play with bi guys? Not, not a chance. So now, to me, that's not ignorance. To me, they understand that you shouldn't react that way. You shouldn't react horribly right. to male bisexuality. But because it's to your face, they understand that they can't be rude to you. That's not the ignorant part. The ignorant part is that you're doing it in such, you're doing it in concert. You're, you're, you're holding court in front of 25 strangers, any of whom could have been bisexual or anything other than heterosexual in that space. And you gave zero thought or consideration to it. That's, that's ignorant behavior. Mm-hmm. Now, to my face, I doubt very seriously that they would have turned up their nose and said anything. I think that potentially they would have just backed out gracefully and came up with an excuse or whatever. And, and I would have read that anyway, which is fine. I don't care. And, and again, I don't care what guys like that think about me anyway. What I do care about is that you said it in front of 25 people, and I am willing to bet that there was another bisexual man standing there who felt bad about what they had just done and didn't want to say anything because he didn't want to out himself. I don't care. Yeah. I would absolutely have done that had it not been a particular situation that I found myself in around the people that we were with. You know, I did not want to cause a scene or a problem for well, other people. You still could have said something without causing a scene, I think. You know, you... You, I, you know tend, I couldn't have done it. I know. I was going to say you tend to go... Someone st- could have. <laughs> I'm not the one. You tend to go <laughs> you know? straight for the jugular and you don't always it, have to. I think yeah, that I is... Mean, for future reference, that's a situation where you could educate. Like, you could walk up and I say, could hey, have. just so you guys know, there's a lot of people that can hear you and there's probably other bisexual men like myself standing here listening to this. And it's really offensive. So you might want to think about that before you do this in I, the future. I thought about I thought about having a conversation with someone other than those two guys that, that probably needed to know that that was happening. You know, kind of a, a, a staff person who could have maybe been a little bit more aware of that. Because frankly, in the environment we were in, that's completely unacceptable behavior. It, it, it's simply unacceptable. And the fact that you are so, so bold about just saying it in, in that kind of environment... Uh, you know, that tells me that you, you're, you're going to have some other problems with these folks, as far as I'm concerned. From a, from a hospitality operational standpoint, there's other issues that are going to evolve from this. And, and that's kind of something you need to keep your eye on. However, you know, it, it's up to, listen, if you don't want to hang out with bisexual people, you don't want to hang out with gay people, that's your thing, man. You want to be that person, that's fine. But what you don't need to do is insult people openly. But it's not fine. Be, You're saying it's fine. Well, it's not fine. My point is everyone gets to, you, listen, everybody gets to make a choice, right? You you get to choose if you don't want to hang out with me because I'm bisexual. I don't want to hang out with you. If you don't want to hang out with me, right. I don't hang I'm out just with saying you. don't say it's fine because it's absolutely not. It's The it's, behavior isn't fine. Right. That, 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 I'm, not, I'm not in any way condoning the behavior. Yeah, you I have freedom of choice. Yeah, I can't change the way somebody feels about me sure. and I'm not going to try, but you cannot do what those guys did and right. be and think it's okay. I, I just, you can't. And I'm really kind of glad 
glad that we were in the situation we were in because I, I couldn't react the way I wanted to. You know, someone else could have probably been more thoughtful and tried to get through to these guys, but I knew instinctively that you weren't going to in that moment. Right, You're not going to be able to walk up to these guys and try to have a cogent conversation with these two guys in this situation because their hackles are going to be up quickly. And the minute that happens, I have no off switch. Why do you think anger is your first reaction in that situation? Is it because... Because you're attacking me. I don't care whether it's physical or verbal. You're attacking me, and now I have to defend myself. And it gets, it, you know, it gets content, really cantankerous. I am not someone who can take that crap very well. Uh, and I was, I felt really bad more than anything else for people in my situation that were there. Not for me. I can, I can stand up to them, no problem. I don't care because I don't care what people think about me. But I know there were some other people there that were probably affected by that and probably went away from that conversation not feeling too great about themselves. Yeah. You know, that's the part that, that really got to me. You know, it, it bothered me. I told you that when, when it happened. I thought, you know, I was not the only bisexual guy standing there. I, I, there's no way. The numbers dictate that. Yep. You know, percentages, you know, numbers don't lie. You know, there were 25 other guys, you know, standing there. Oh, they the, were all guys? couple of women most of them were men but the chances that i was the only one that wasn't heterosexual unlikely yeah so listen for that matter one of those two guys could have could have not been well we often find that that's the those are the people that have the biggest issue with absolutely. it absolutely yeah, the people that have some you know deep-seated yeah. issues with their own sexuality or they're questioning their own sexuality well, and they don't like it they feel very uncomfortable with their own feelings and that was a long-winded version of an answer that i needed to still provide you which is I am more confident now when it comes to talking to people because I, again, I'm 100% open and honest and out about who I am and I don't care what anybody thinks. So if I do say something to somebody, I'm, your reaction is what I'm looking for. I want to know how you feel about a, about the situation now because I don't want to hang out with you if you have a hang up about it. I guess I was I was speaking more specifically to individual conversations. For example, you don't tend to flirt with women in person. You do it a little bit digitally. I've seen some digital communication back and forth between you and women where it's like, oh, that was smooth of him or he said something really charming or, you know, sometimes even outright flirtatious. And I don't necessarily see that you do the same with men yet. And I'm wondering if that's because like you're still trying to feel out how you really want to do that, how that works, because you're obviously you spent 50 years or maybe not exactly 50 years, but a lot of years, yeah. decades interacting with women and not with men. So is it different now because you don't have the same level of understanding of how to deal with different genders? No, no. Really what it is, is as I've, I've said many times, I don't go to a party if I'm not invited, right? I'm 51. There's still a level of courtesy that I exude, that I exude, you know, and if a woman is flirting with me, I will flirt with her. I will not overtly flirt with a woman out of the gate. We are mostly communicating with couples at when I, when I'm talking to a woman. So she's a coupled person. I want to be respectful of that relationship. If she flirts with me, then absolutely I will flirt with her in kind. Men are the same way. I don't, I don't view them any differently. If someone flirts with me and I can tell they're flirting with me, then I reciprocate, but I very rarely will initiate that. I mean, you know that I, I, I won't, I don't want to offend anybody. Certainly don't want to overstep any bounds. That's just my thing. I, I'm just not comfortable being the aggressor in that situation. Okay. Well, think about it. I don't exactly come off warm and fuzzy anyway. So if I start to be, and I don't want to call it aggressive, but if I start being more aggressive in terms of flirting and anything that would seem like I'm being forward, I think it comes off a little bit more so than it would from other people. I completely disagree. I think you can disarm people and let them know that you are warm and fuzzy by being a little bit flirtatious. I think it softens you around the edges. I think you, for whatever reason, associate flirting with aggression, and that's so not the case, especially if it's done tactfully and sweetly. So I think that that's something that maybe you need to think about, like just dropping a couple of hints about like your interests, putting a smile on your face, all of a sudden completely changes the view that people have of you. Because when you're a little bit more standoffish, you're kind of sitting in the back, you know, you're, you're quiet, you're looking very kind of stoic, you come across as aggressive then. 
Yeah, I guess. But that's just been my demeanor my entire life. Yeah, you know? I get it. I'm just saying it's something to, to consider, especially yeah. as we go forward and especially as you continue to explore different genders because, you know, it's not just men and women. We've talked about you potentially being interested in a non-binary person. If So, yeah, I mean, I just think, you know, trying to learn how to flirt. I mean, it's hard for me. I, I have a really hard time flirting with women. Why is that, do you think? Because I don't have the practice, because I doubt myself, because I've been interacting with men for, I don't know, 20 plus years and women only in the last five or six years have I discovered that I'm really interested in them and I want to interact with them on a flirtatious level. So understanding how to do so in a way that makes everyone feel good is something that I I just constantly second guess it. Well, listen, here's the other thing. And this goes for both men and women, non-binary, doesn't matter. If someone is like, if you go from zero to a hundred with me very quickly, that's a, that's a turnoff for me. And unfortunately, a lot of guys cannot help themselves. Yeah. I will go from thinking, I will go from very pleasant conversation, digital conversation with a gentleman right to him, sending me some dick pic, him, (laughs) you know, masturbating. Like I didn't, I don't remember even asking for any of that. We, how did you get to that from, Hey, how are you? Right. You know? That's a turnoff for me. I'm instantly no, no longer interested. Like, I need the buildup. I want to get to know somebody. Women, the same thing. Now, that's only happened a couple of times. But when that happens, it's like, whoa, that's pump the brakes. Like, how did we get here? Yeah. You know? And and while I get it, it's to some degree, I guess I should be flattered. And, and I am. But it, it, I know that that's not going to lend itself to an amazing experience should we decide to get together. So I just don't pursue it. Yeah. I like that kind of slow boil, you know, let it simmer a little bit. And then when we're prepared and we're both in the same space and we should have that conversation too. Are we there yet? Kind of thing. Okay. We we can now start to maybe exchange a little bit more flirtatious conversation or images or whatever. Right. You know, that, that's just the thing for me. I don't, I guess as I've gotten older for sure, because in my youth, my, you know, I think my mindset was very different. I know it is. The idea that I needed to get to know somebody over a period of time and have kind of a connection with them didn't mean anything in those days. It does now. I guess a lot of it has to do with our relationship. You know, these experiences have to be meaningful to me. Otherwise, all I'm doing is spending time away from you. Right. Don't need to do that. You know, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to spend time with someone else and not my partner. It has to matter whether it doesn't matter whether it's a man or a woman or or non-binary person. It doesn't matter. If I'm going to spend time away from you, it has to make a difference. It's got to be a measurable experience, you know, something that we can, can actually calculate is important. I do want to open this conversation up because I didn't mean for it to just be about your sexuality. I think in general, what I wanted this topic to be about are like, what are some of the things that are maybe not even concerns, but what are some of the major things that are kind of like sitting in the back of your mind as we look at our sexual journey together? Oh, yeah. Like as we get older, as we potentially look at places to settle down, all of those types of things. Well, we had this conversation at length yesterday, and I'm sure we're going to have it again at length and any number of times. (laughs) There is a lot to consider. And and I'm I'm glad that we had this conversation or had a conversation yesterday about where we might end up living because it, what it brought up was the disparity in our ages, which you and I don't talk a lot about because it's never been an issue for us. We don't, age is a number, right? It doesn't matter. You know, you love each other. It just doesn't make a difference. And it doesn't. And I get that. But when you start to talk about future plans, right? 10 years, 20 years down the road, in 20 years and a week, you will be the age I am right now. Right. Which puts, puts me at 71. Right. Okay. Now, as much as I don't want to admit it or like to think about it, our life and our relationship is going to look different when I'm 71. Right. Okay. And that's a concern for me. You know it is. So that's why I've been kind of, I don't want to say prodding you, but I'm trying to put you in in the direction of embracing some younger people because I genuinely think, and we know, we, we firmly believe this and have said it a number of times, we believe that our lifestyles, our relationship is going to culminate in a polyamorous dynamic. I would like to see that for you at least with a younger person because I don't want you, when I'm 71, to miss out on anything. Now, will I still go to the naked resorts with you? Sure, I will. <laughs> I absolutely will. I'll be your wingman, no question about it. But 
I want you to be able to have all the experiences you want to have. Like, I want you to have the experiences at 51 that I'm having at 51. Yeah. I don't know that I'm going to have them at 71 because yesterday was kind of a wake-up call for me. We are in a place where there are a lot of older folks. Yes. We are in a nude resort uh, on the west coast of Florida, and we were at the pool yesterday, and I'm here to tell you that some of these folks are that age, and I'm it scared me. Now, my lifestyle is different, so it's going to keep me healthier, obviously. However, I thought that can't be me because I have a partner 20 years my junior. That could be me if someone my if my partner's also 71. I don't want it to be, right. but it could be. <laughs> However, my partner is 20 years younger than me. Yeah. So I have to be cognizant of of everything. I you wonder why I'm so hyper focused on stuff? I have to be focused on my health, on my fitness. I, I have to take care of myself because I'm older than you. Yeah. So I want you to be kind of engaging with younger people. That's just kind of where I want it to be. So you talk about what our life might look like. We have to live in a place. I think we have to land someplace where there's a younger community, right? Not potentially on the East Coast of Florida where the average age is 68 or something. Yeah. You know, we've got to be someplace where you're going to be able to blend in to some degree and have experiences that young people want to have. Those are the things that concern me the most about where we end up. I don't want to end up someplace where you feel stifled. We just did that. Yeah. We can go back home and, and live very happily in a place that we came from if you want to be stifled. Well, you we talked about that and you were like, yeah, if we go back, there's stability. We know there people. Is. We there have is. opportunities, like yeah. stability, stability, stability. And those are the things you think about when you're 51. I was just going to say, I don't <laughs> think know? about stability because I'm 31. I think about adventure and yes, meeting new people so and I. having new experiences. And like I said to you yesterday, and I don't think I ever said it to you before yesterday, I said, you don't see things the way I see them. I don't see them the way you see them because I've been 31. You've never been 51. Right. <laughs> you can't see what I see. Right. And and I, and I love you and I love about you your enthusiasm because it reminds me of how enthusiastic I was at 31 <laughs> and doing the things I did at 31. And I get it. I was full of piss and vinegar at 31 and you couldn't stop me. There was nothing you could have done to slow me down. Yeah. Nothing. No one could. And so I get it. I get that drive. But I'm now 51. And I think of things that I never would have thought of then that you can't possibly think about because they're just not in your wheelhouse yet, you know? So sometimes I feel like I got to kind of, I got to bring in a little bit just so I want you to understand where I'm coming from. But the things that concern me the most are, I think, the same things that concern you about how we end up and where we end up. Well, yeah, I think it has to be something, no matter what, like situations going forward have to take both of us into consideration. And that's not always easy. Yeah, but more you than me, right? I don't think so. Well, let's put, again, we had this conversation also. I can live anywhere because I've lived in some pretty rough conditions in my former life, right? I am not concerned about, and I can live anywhere. If you were happy someplace, I could live there. Because at this point in my life, I've done a lot of stuff. I could live off the memories. So I can live anywhere. You really have to genuinely want to be where we're going to be. I can figure it out. So you're the bigger concern, not me. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> I've lived... Hey, guess what? I don't want to live in the beach communities where the average age is 70. <laughs> yeah, listen. Well, look, neither do I. I, I, I. I do. I like the slower pace now that I'm older. I like... The calm. I like the quiet. You're also I like the... 51. You act like you're, you know, one foot in the grave. Yeah, but I have lived a lot of life in 51 years. Okay? <laughs> yeah, but you're not, so, you know, uh, you're not halfway to if, death. No, but if you said to me, hey, let's just go someplace where we can lay on the beach every all day and... Uh, yeah, 100%. I'm in. Yeah, that sounds you know? like my personal nightmare. I know. For me, it's ideal, <laughs> you know? So that's my point. Like, that's what I would like to do, but I understand that that's not really the the move for us because you're not prepared to do that yet maybe at some point you will be and i will hopefully still be alive to enjoy that <laughs> however now i want to be able to experience a whole you know i still want to experience new things obviously but i want to make sure that you're going to be okay with where we are primarily i can figure it out i always have you know i've adapted my entire life so you're the one that needs to be the focus of that. Yeah, I guess my biggest fear is that we're going to come to a point or my biggest trepidation in all this is we're going to come to a point where I'm still on the ramp up and you're on the slowdown and we find ourselves at this impasse where we're like, how the fuck do we make this work together? Like, how are we, how are we going to ensure that we're both getting what we want and need? 
Uh, when we're on such different pages, because right now I feel like we're on similar pages still. We are. I think that that's again that's a that's a progress thing. You know, I think as we move forward, we will determine more and more what is important to us as individuals and as a couple. However, again, I say this: it is far more important to me that your happiness is fulfilled than mine because I am far more adaptable than you are. And, you know, I'll figure it out. You know, I'm not concerned about it. As long as I am able to do the things that are important to me, as you know, to keep me healthy and driven, you know, and, and keep my passion moving forward, I'm fine. I can figure it out. Well, that's good to know because I was I kept searching for opportunities to uh, for us to find everything we both wanted. And I don't think that's that place be a doesn't thing. exist. I mean, it's a, you're talking about a utopia. Please let me know where that is. Yeah, yeah, I will totally find that. I'll, I'll move there in a minute. There have been a lot of places I've told you where I've lived in my life. A lot of places, and if I could put some components of each of those together, it'd be the perfect place. A place doesn't exist. Yeah. You know? I also think another concern for me is as we look into the world of polyamory, how that actually works for us. I think, well, we talked about this. I honestly, first of all, for me, I firmly believe that in my case, given everything that's kind of happened uh, over the course of the last couple of years, last year and a half, let's call it, I firmly believe that if you and I and I do think that we're going to end up in some kind of a polyamorous dynamic, I believe it will, I think the best course for us would be a triad, a thruple type situation, although I do believe that it would be with a man. I think that that's where that ends up. Interesting. Yeah, I get everything, is it, you know, it just has occurred to me over time that I get everything I need from you, and I think I would benefit the most from having a relationship with a man as opposed to another woman. Okay. So... Again, uh, we set the bar high. That is not an easy, <laughs> easy prospect uh, to uh, to de- develop. But I do think that that's where that ends up. Well, I think that that's kind of a perfect scenario for me. Too. Yeah. Well, I think it is. I mean, because I'm not overly romantically interested in women. At this no, you point like in my sex life. with women. You're not necessarily wanting a relationship with a woman. Right. So yeah, I think that's. Uh, listen, in a perfect world, I think we're, that's where that ends up. Now, as we know uh, from experience, uh, it's when you least expect it that things just kind of hit you in the face or fall in your lap, however you want to look at it, the door is not closed to any possibility or any opportunity, certainly, that makes sense for us. I do think that that would make the most sense, in my opinion. Now, of course, I would really like that person to be a little closer to your age than mine for the obvious reasons. Well, you seem to be attracted to men closer to my age anyway, so... Yeah, I guess. So, <laughs> that works pretty well. At and least... that's not necessarily true. Uh, there, Actually, I'm more attracted to men my age than women my age. Interesting. That's that seems to be a, a pretty consistent thing for me. I don't. It just uh, it wasn't a by design. It just seems to be a pattern. Yeah, I mean, I like I said, I guess my biggest trepidation with that is that it's so new for us, and I don't want to say it at this point. I think at this point we've said like, yeah, we've explored poly a little, but that's not really true. We've definitely explored the idea of poly. <laughs> we have not been in polyamorous relationships, in my opinion, up to this point. No, we haven't. We've this- gone out on some dates. Yeah, we, we both have, have interacted with some people. On a more romantic level, yes. but we have not been in poly relationships up to this point. No, at this point, it simply hasn't, it just hasn't formulated, hasn't been the right situation. And and that's the thing, we, we are so eager to have these experiences. We have to a lot of times kind of slow ourselves down and really look at everything that is important to us and everything that really matters in these situations because... A lot of times it's like our excitement that gets in the way. Yeah. You know, the enthusiasm, the the desire for new experiences that gets in the way. Well, it, it veils the concerns. That's it does. the thing. It like, does. oh, we're so excited to do this. So we're not going to think about the fact that like maybe our lives don't align. Maybe their right. interests don't align with ours. Maybe, yeah. you know, all of those things tend to go by the wayside because it's like, oh, we just want to have this experience and this person's cool. So let's go forward with it. Yeah, exactly. And, and we and we do that because we are excited about everything that's going on. We have a lot of new adventures in front of us. And you just, you know, you, you got to be a little bit more measured. We have to be a little bit more measured when it comes to, to new experiences and, and understanding, taking them for what they really are. It's a new experience. Let's dissect it a little bit first before we jump in hip deep as we normally do. Well, and because of that, I, I'm a little bit gun shy of the whole poly thing. Well, yeah, it's it's new to us. And it's, it's, uh, I think it's the biggest- It's scary. That's well, the, what it is. The scariest part is that we will be sharing time with other people. So that's because we are- 
I mean, listen, we obviously live together. We work together. We travel together. We do everything together. And there is a little bit of separation anxiety that you and I get. Yes. And you have always liked to make it seem as if I'm the one that has the separation anxiety only exclusively. No. And that is absolutely not the truth. In fact, just for our listeners edification for a second here, I am going to drive to Publix by myself today, which <laughs> is four and a half miles away. And Brian is concerned about that. Well, yeah, it's not for me. It's not a, a thing where it's like I'm concerned about not spending all this time with you. My concern is from a safety perspective. I'm just saying I made it 27 years of my life just fine without you. You did. I didn't die a single time. No, not once, <laughs> but not in an unfamiliar place, around unfamiliar surroundings. Hey, I and, moved twice by yeah, myself. with about three hours away. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah I, I, yeah, I do have some concerns and I probably baby you a little bit. But, you know, uh, you're a sensitive creature and I just want to make sure you're okay. No, and but, I, I appreciate that. I'm just saying like that's one of the bigger concerns that I have with us being in in poly relationships is like how do we find our own voices our own identities and maintain a, an amazing connection between the two of us while still exploring our individual sides yeah it's a balancing act it's a delicate balance which again is why i believe i think we would really thrive in a thruple situation with one individual i think that's really the ideal prospect for us in okay. polyamory i think that makes the most sense well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yes, we will. Yeah. I mean, I think I think this journey, getting on the road and doing everything that we've been doing up to this point, meeting the people that we've met up to this point, has been, it's been a very positive thing in a lot of ways. And at the same time, it has brought up a lot of, I, I don't want to call it concerns. It's brought up a lot of questions and uncertainties yeah. about like where we go in general together in our sexuality and how we explore things that we want to explore, but still doing it in a way that's meaningful to us and that focuses on us as a unit. Yeah. And, you know, we're going in a lot of different directions when you think about it. We are a non-monogamous couple. We're a hot wife couple. We also, on occasion, swap with couples and we want to potentially get into poly and we're both pants bisexual pansexual people and bdsm couple and we're a bdsm yeah it's like and and we're an age gap couple we are that you know there's so many different elements of who we are that sometimes it feels like putting all of the pieces together is like this you know one of those 2000 piece puzzles you get at costco that you never finish yeah. that's kind of what it feels like and sometimes having the finished picture is what i want and Obviously, we're nowhere near that, and sometimes it can be kind of scary as a result of that. Well, so if you put it in terms in those terms, it, it can seem overwhelming. But we talked about this, and I had a conversation with a, another friend of ours, another podcast friend of ours, about this too. There are a lot of opportunities. There's, listen, every time I have a new experience, do I need to change my identity? Kind of thing, right? Like it, it gets, it just wears me out. It makes me tired thinking about well, how, luckily, my sexuality. Pansexuality encompasses pretty much everything. A lot. So right? I don't think you're going to need to change it anytime soon. No, but my point is, yes, we have a lot of interests as it pertains to our sexuality. And I just think that we need to just look at ourselves as being open to all experiences and not being so concerned about all the different titles that, you know, that come along with that. Well, I, I'm not concerned about the titles. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the uncertainty of the future is nerve wracking. Yeah. It's not only from a sexuality perspective, but just our lives in general. We don't even know where we're going to live. We have no idea where three months from now we will be. We certainly don't know where a year from now we'll be. No. So it's like everything in our lives feels very uncertain right now. And I know that our listeners can probably relate to this. That uncertainty has a way of creating this doubt in what you're doing. It's like everything that we do, I'm constantly going, is this the right move for us? Does this make sense for us? Is this something that's going to help or hinder us? And that constant uncertainty can really start to wear on you. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Yeah. It's just, it's an opportunity for growth. And I'm trying hard to look at it from that from that perspective but it's something that i think is worth discussing and, and considering between the two of us yeah welcome to my world told you yesterday i worry about that stuff every day right i have to be concerned about that for the both of us every day it's 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 in the front of my mind all the time every decision that i make is going to affect something down the road and that's a concern because we have not decided yet where we want to be i think we're getting close i think we're going to make a decision probably within the next month about what we're going to do long-term, which is kind of exciting. I'm ready to make that decision. I'll be 
thrilled when we finally do make the decision so we don't have to think about it anymore. But for now, it's definitely uh, on the forefront of my mind, no doubt about it. Yeah. And I think the other thing is if you are listening right now and you are entering into some type of non-monogamy or some different dynamic or something, you know, just know that no matter how much experience you have in the lifestyle, no matter how many experiences you've had with people or whatever, there's still going to be those times when you're like, are we doing the right thing? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's only natural. It's something that you just, you have to kind of work through. You have to work through the uncomfortable moments to get to the benefits at the end. Well, listen, once again, I say this all the time as well. If you want to get really good at something, you've got to get uncomfortable. Got to get the reps in. If you want to continue being in an ethically non-monogamous relationship and you want it to flourish, you're going to make mistakes. No one has ever become great at anything and ha- and not fucked up first. Yeah. No one's ever done it. You it's know? so true. Yeah, no one. No one has ever done it. So you're going to make mistakes. We do. We still make mistakes. The, the important thing, of course, is learning from them. You know, how many times you fall is a lot less important than how many times you get up. And I do think we're really good at that. We're really good at looking at situations and going, okay, what was our role in this? What responsibility can we take? How can we not make the same mistake going forward? Yeah. We we make a lot of mistakes along the way, but we never make the same mistake twice or at no. least rarely. No, very rarely have we ever done that. Um, and I'm yeah. proud of us for that because there are a lot of people who aren't able to introspectively look at their own role in a train wreck situation. Yeah. Listen, no one wants to believe it was their fault, right? I mean, I don't want to, but of course it's... It's it's always somebody else's fault. Yeah, when it's always somebody else's fault... It's your fault. (laughs) That means that it's 100% your fault because you you don't understand your own role. You don't understand the things that you have done to contribute to the issue and therefore you're going to continue doing it over and over and over again. Yeah, it's like old saying, if you can't spot the asshole in the room, you're probably the asshole. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) So yeah, 100%. Yeah, no doubt about it. So I don't know. The future for us obviously is uh, open. We are going to make that decision hopefully very soon. As far as my sexuality, I am quite comfortable with where I am. I do not give a shit what anybody thinks. I don't hold back. If you have a problem with my sexuality, then we don't need to interact. My concerns are more for you than me. Not, I'm never concerned about myself as it pertains to that. I'm always concerned about how I affect you. Well, I think you should stop being concerned about that because if the concern is, hey, we're going to miss out on certain couples or certain people because they don't accept you, I don't want those people to accept us. I want them to stay far away from us. So that is not a concern yeah, for me no. at all either. I Miss, I would rather miss out on more opportunities and get through to the amazing people that will understand and respect and appreciate us than have a plethora of options at our disposal. No, it's it's really more than that for me. I don't want, I really guess I don't want you to be judged for my sexuality. I guess that's the biggest thing for yeah, me. I don't care either. Yeah, so. <laughs> I, well, that's fine, but I don't want, a, I don't want you to be affected by a conversation like the one that I experienced the other day. Well, I would have said something. I wouldn't have been And angry. you probably could have. I wouldn't have been angry. I would have just calmly explained that, you know, that was horrible behavior and to not do it again. Yeah, you, you could have done that. But here's what would have happened. You would have done that. And that would have resulted in you potentially having been insulted in some way. And then, then you have to get me involved. <laughs> and that, you know, again... I, I just don't want to be put in those situations. So rather than escalate what was clearly a train wreck getting ready to take place, I just remove myself from the situation. Yeah. It's just it's just easier for everyone. Understandable. You know? Well, guys, if anything that we have discussed on this episode is something that you would like to discuss in more depth, if you have some questions or concerns or trepidations about your own journey and the things that you're going through, A, you're 100% not alone, and B, we would love to discuss it with you via our Sex on Your Terms coaching sessions. We offer a free consultation call, and you can find all of the information at sexonyourterms.com. You can also email us directly at sexonyourterms at gmail.com. And we're also on social media, Twitter and Instagram at sexonyourterms. So we hope that you'll come find us, say hello, and we would love to speak to you about any of the things that you have going on. And I think that's what we have for you this week. So until next time, we hope you enjoy sex on your terms.